previously on the Adventure Zone. Uh, my background is that of a carpenter oh. um, who has become a folk hero. You built a tight chair once. Yeah. You built a chair once and the whole village came around. I, bu- I built an army out of wood. Uh-huh. You are seeing a memory, and you know that you are seeing it from the perspective of the void fish. You're, you're inside a cave. It feels like home. And you know that because there's other void fish here, too. I don't want to be, I don't want to embarrass myself in front of, and like, for example, just like, for example, like, loop. We've lost a lot. There's a lot more we might lose, but the one thing we do have is the thing that people in love rarely ever have enough of, and it's time. So Chancellor Marlowe takes you to the Legato Conservatory, and when the light clears, the sheet music's gone, and so is the song. There's another flash from the cave, and, and we see everyone in all the kingdoms and conservatories in this whole world, um, even the beings living in the other planes of reality, they all hear this song too now. Well, that's the light of creation. Any questions? We're almost caught up. Do you understand yet? It's imperative you pay attention. This isn't just some story. It's the Adventure Zone. So it's immediately after that musical um, presentation here at the the stage in, in front of the cave, and um, the the seven of you have talked a little bit with Chancellor Marlowe about what you what you just saw about this phenomenon that Chancellor Marlowe well, claimed hold, hold to on, be Griffin. the, the hold, hold on, jo- don't jump ahead. We're at a okay. reception, right? Recital. Yeah. Kind of like, are there apps? Is it like the are is beer Abby's. and wine free? So there are tapas. There, I love tapas. There's tapas. So there's nice. a lot of finger sandwiches and a like a, a, a there's probably lemonade. Nobody's really getting into it though because you you get the impression that this type of ceremony happens a lot and like if folks snack if, if folks yummy down on these sandwiches and um lemonade like every time they came here probably be bad for the probably be bad for the you know digestion but there's plenty well, if that you doesn't wanna... keep us from doing it though, yeah you right? snack yeah. you snack down i take a whole tray of finger sandwiches and i'm i'm listening intently don't i don't need my teeth to listen you know what i mean sure uh so chancellor marlowe explains about this phenomenon that you heard her call the light of creation earlier um and so the first thing you learn about this cave is that nobody can go into it um, it's not just like a hard and fast rule for all of the conservatories, uh, all of which are sort of built around this mountain, sort of with their own caves leading into it. Uh, so it's, it's not just the law of the land. Like when you try to walk in, there's a flash of light and suddenly you are walking out just just the way that you came. Um, there are rumors, though, of a Forte Conservatory student who made their way into the school, uh, the, the cave's entrance, uh, their school's entrance into the mountain. Uh, after having their song selected by the light. Um, so after conversing with, with Marlo and with each other and sort of relating to her the dire importance of your mission, she offers a suggestion. You spend this year training at the Legato Conservatory and you submit a work to the mountain, um, to, to what she and everyone else calls the light of creation. And if it's accepted, you might be able to to gain access inside. Um, so that is the setup for this cycle. Um, and what do you work on this year? What craft do you work on? Uh, what work do you submit to to uh, the the cave? Well, okay. So this is my question: Does it have to be music? No, it doesn't have to be music. Marlowe explains like these: the conservatory has specialties in like all of these different um, forms and all of these different um, uh, like artistic mediums. There are sculptors and painters and dancers and 
um, there are, you know, uh, wood carvers and there are singers wood, and wood writers. Uh, and yeah, like, so, you know, sculptors of all kinds of different mediums. So wood, like carving wood with like knives and like blades, weapons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they have special knives and, and uh, they don't use like a big, they don't use like a big scimitar or whatever, but the, I guess there are sharp instruments used. That immediately interests Magnus. Because it's a thing you could do with weapons? Yep. Okay. At first, at first he yeah, has sure. not learned the artistry of carving Griffin, so it's just, it just seems violent to him, right? And so that's interesting. Uh, you know? Okay, we'll, we'll do yours first, and while Taco It was and either going to be that or drumming. <laughs> that would also be very good. We'll do yours first while Taco and Merle so, sort of think of their, um, their mediums. Um, so yeah, I guess you get matched up with a woodcarver who is also like a just a very gruff and um, he has a very violent approach to art and uh, just gives you like a big log every day to just and I, and I think when he start you start out the professor whose name is Professor Kristoff, Kristoff um, Kovacs on Twitter. Thank you, Kristoff. Uh, is just like yes, Magnus, attack the wood, show it your fury until beauty comes out of. That that big sweet round log, and I want to be straight up. It's terrible at first. Oh no! Yeah, I mean, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? You, I don't know. Take a left. Oh uh, what? Fort Street. Um, Magnus, make a since since I the way you've set this up, it sounds like your art on this wood is sort of and it starts off with just sort of attacking. So I guess make a body roll. Um, plus, plus body. Body roll sounds like a sick dance move. Well, Griffin, I'll be honest with you. It wasn't great. And here's why. Here's my justification. I think that attacking the wood does not prove to actually be Magnus's forte. So I wanted him. I'm glad he failed at it. Because I would actually rather transition to working with a teacher who's like, no, 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 no. Clearly, attacking the wood is not your strength. It is finding within the wood the thing that mm. it wants to be okay then you <laughs> you have a different professor and i have to get another name from t- twitter um mm-hmm. professor bauer jonathan bauer thank you on twitter uh who's like you know what you need to try you know what you need to try magnus magnus you know it's time to try a little bit of tenderness oh okay well i got an 11 is that tender enough that's extremely tender. What's the first thing you carve that you like really like? He's a duck, baby. <laughs> a big Match. a big duck, a handheld duck. What's the Listen, it's a slightly clumsy duck-sized duck. Um, you know, a little listen, little knobbly. Um, and there's like, you know, a couple spots where you can see like a drop of blood that's soaked into the wood, you know, where like I nicked myself doing it. But within it, it's like somebody took a lot of time and care to do this thing that they were not inherently good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in and of itself, it's imperfection is what makes it beautiful. Um, you get an A on your duck, very tender. And um, Professor Bauer asks if, you're, if this is what you want to submit to, to the cave um, after your year of study. I will tell you right now, Magnus has never been prouder of anything than he is of this duck. Okay. Um, take take plus two experience for learning this as sort of essential tradecraft um, to, to the Magnus backstory. Uh, Taco and Merle, do either of you have a medium that you want to sort of develop some mastery in during the year? Um, I want to become proficient in the dance. What style of dance? There's so much dance. Interpretive. Interpretive jazz dancing, where you tell the story with both body and hands. Uh, there's two. There's a professor for jazz dancing, and there's a professor for interpretive dancing. They and are two completely one, different art forms. It's two completely different art forms, and they don't really, um, they don't really get along. And so, after like a few sessions of like both of them trying to train you, I think they just kind of leave you to yourself so after you've learned some of the basic steps of both crafts i think it's just up to you to sort of look within and find the interpretive jazz inside yourself and sort of bring that out into the world 
Um, the jazz in Merle. How do you... Mm, I think this would also be a body roll, too, because it's like dance. Like, it's very physical. You do, do body rolls in dance, Griffin. You yes, do I do agree. a body roll. All right. Body roll. Ten. Hey, holy shit. Your body's not like your thing. That's very and, good. And, yeah. I think after a while, you are sort of brought on as an adjunct professor to this new type of dance <laughs> oh. at, at Legato at the Legato Conservatory, and I think yeah. I think those two professors at the end of the the movie of M- Merle presents Save the Last Dance, they get together and sort of realize the error of their ways, and all of a sudden, like people from the other conservatories start like flocking to to this one they start transferring to this school just to just to learn this interpretive jazz dance that is just sweeping the nation that people are getting so excited about um can you describe the dance and i think you just would submit like a a step chart uh what what does the dance look like that you submit to the to the cave um the first the first thing that happens uh is you have your feet completely right next to each other and then you shift your feet so they're at like a 90-degree angle. Uh, would... And then you do a lot of scissor steps. Okay. Uh, and now here's the thing. You do scissor steps with your feet front, back, front, back, front, back. But with your arms, you go scissors uh, uh, in the air, up and down, up and down, up and down. Okay. What about the hands, man? What do you do with the hands? Well, the hands are alternating. Uh, and this is where the interpretive comes in. Uh, you, we are using the hands as almost like signals, uh, like you, creatively you're making shapes, like okay. like if you were making shadows without light. So what are you and, interpreting? What sort of motif or idea or emotion? I'm watching you do this awesome scissor dance. What what do I feel? Uh, pity. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, no, I, it's very moving and because you can see what I'm trying to get at is, is man's, um, uh, injustices Whoa. Uh, against other man's. Okay. And, and, and that's, this is because you can see this, this poor figure trying to, well, to touch God. Mm. Oh, so it's the, it's perhaps the name of the dance God touch. Uh, it's actually called a pan Demonium. Pandemonium. Fuck, that's good. Yeah. Take two, take two experience, just for the name. Um, oh, cool. Uh, Taco, what are you working mm. on? My art is the subtle art of aphorisms. I don't know what that means. Um, it, uh, is that where like you touch the bumps say- on people's heads to like read the future? No. Like little sayings. This phrenology, I think. Little sayings that contain a lot of truth and sound very wise. <laughs> And that's my art form. But what Taco is doing is um, really just recycling ones that exist in his reality and probably not this one and crediting them to himself. Because he figured that would be an easy thing to do for you. <laughs> this, is, this is Hurley writing Empire Strikes Back on Lost. It, like, exactly. Right. You have, exactly. you have a poor Richard's Almanac and you're like, mm, don't mind if I do. Thank you, Ben. Yeah. yeah um, so that's his, his jam. He looks like goes in day one and is like... How many cares one loses when one decides not to be something, but to be someone, which he knows is a quote by Coco Chanel, but he just like spits it. Yeah. No hesitation. No. Yeah. Well, fantasy, everyone's like, fantasy Coco Chanel, if, if, if such a being could, fantasy could ever Coco truly Chanel, exist. Spell exactly. K-O-K-O. Um, yeah. okay. I, I think there's probably like a philosophy class at, at, in, mm. in this school, um, that you sort of come into and just start dropping all these fucking bombs. And the philosophy professor is just really annoyed by it, I think, at first, until they realize, like, wow, Taco, this guy might be onto some shit, actually. Can you break me off yeah. another, another piece? Because I think you probably have a website open. I don't. I just have these in my head. You have this Coco, Ch- you have this dope-ass Coco Chanel quote? It's a dope quote. I, I have a lot of quotes about being yourself that I just memorized to help me keep, keep me grounded. They're all Coco one. Chanel. Here's another Coco. No, uh, be who you are and say what you feel because those who mind don't matter and those who matter don't mind. That's Dr. Seuss right there. Fuck. But now it's now it's Taco over here in this joint. That's a Taco thing. Wow. Roll. Um, how, how about um, here? I said all brokenhearted. Don't you dare. Nope. Okay. Don't you dare do this. Um, roll plus mind. I think. 
Okay. That is 11. Wow, all good rolls. Everybody's kind of killing it at the conservatory. I, I feel like I should be running this class. Um, yeah, I think he's just saying pe- uh, things other people say, and I'm coming up with my own dope shit. Well, kind of. Um, I think that, <laughs> I think you lead sort of um, uh, Order of the Phoenix style, like alt philosophy class that's all about just like being yourself and connecting with who you really are. Um, and that definitely attracts a lot of the students here because this is this conservatory and all the conservatories are very competitive. And so there's people who come to see you and they're like, you know what? Maybe I don't want to do my art the way everybody else does it. Maybe I want to be mm. myself. Maybe maybe I want to explore the me that Taco says I can be. And yeah, don't don't look for look don't uh, look for society to give you permission to be yourself. Think mm. about that. Was that wow. someone else or did you? Was that off the dome? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Steve Maraboli. Uh, this doesn't matter. So, where's your will to be weird, Jim Morrison? But now Taco. <laughs> um, do you write these down in a book to submit to the man? The mountain? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I think somebody writes them down for him. What's... I probably don't. Yeah, but thank you, Dad. Of course, I don't do the scribing myself. Is um, the book that it opens with? Some people say you're going the wrong way when it's simply a way of your own. Now, that used to be Angelina Jolie, but uh, now it's Taco on that one. That's my favorite Taco quote. What's the book called? Uh, Taco's... Taco... (laughs) Taco Time, a a book of inspirational aphorisms that uh, for the uh, uh, independent soul. Oh, shit, that's good. Okay. Uh, take plus two experience. Everybody gets plus two experience points. Um, I, would, I would like to retroactively add something um, just okay, to yeah, sh- people that I haven't forgotten about it. Okay. Uh, I carved that duck with my grandfather's knife that I had that I claimed to have in the first episode of this very podcast. Uh, okay, yeah, sure. You you still have that be- that wonderful knife that you use for all your carving. Um, let's get to, it's close to the end of the year. You have about, uh, you have a couple weeks left before you know the hunger is going to, um, arrive. And so you all are scheduled for a submission, all seven of you. Uh, and the ceremony is more or less identical to the one you went to at the beginning of the year. And you've probably been to a few of these as you sort of got to know the other students here at the conservatory and go to like support them as they submit their, their works. And this is like, this is a really, um, it's a terrifying thing to do uh, because it's not the, the, more often than not, the mountain does not um, sort of rebroadcast whatever it is that you submit to it. So every time that you work your ass off on this thing that you are proud of and submit it to the mountain, um, there is no guarantee that it, it's going to be accepted and, and therefore it's going to be sort of eliminated completely um, eliminated even from your own mind. You won't remember what this thing is that you made. Um, so you go to this ceremony and there's the same sandwiches and lemonade. Um, and the seven of you, uh, take turns, uh, going up to the stage, presenting your work, um, which for the three of you must be a pretty fun sight. Um, and Magnus, what's yours look like? Cause you made a duck and you're, yeah, sh- here's, I'll tell you, Griffin, here's the thing. I've been sitting here thinking about it and I think that. In the moment when he finished the duck, I think Magnus was insanely proud of it. Because it's something okay. like he worked at and took his time at that he didn't normally do. But I think that seeing people present these masterpieces, these beautiful songs or artworks that they, they've created, I think that he actually gets a little embarrassed mm. about it. Because like he's looking at this like knobbly, you know, stained duck. And I actually think he's, he's a little embarrassed that he was so proud of it. Oh, no. Um, professor Bauer comes because the uh, the professor your professor always goes up there with you um, when when you do when you submit a work and he, but he puts his hand on your shoulder and he's like that's a real good duck just show him the duck it's a good duck I think they'll like it actually making me uh, feel a little bad for Magnus but he presents it and whispers it's not perfect but it's the best I can do um, I think there's an uncomfortable smattering of applause just from people not really knowing how to um, respond to somebody being quite quite this. Um, self self-effacing. Um, there's a couple people though who are like, "Hey, great duck! Hey, great, hey, great little mallard, buddy! Keep your chin up." Um, and Merle, I guess your presentation is uh, 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 uh Professor Merle. <laughs> Professor Merle, uh, what is your presentation to the audience? 
I'm going to actually recreate my dance. Okay. Uh, and is there I've, music to the dance? I have actually the music in me, um, but it's kind of a unt 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 unt. My favorite, kind of, my favorite jazz rhythm. Yeah, unt unt, and um, and I have added a one little wrinkle. I've got my arms akimbo, and my fingers are dangling down below, and with that, I am acting like tentacles. Okay. Uh, and there's a lot of head gyrations. There's a lot of head rolls. Yeah. Uh, and just because I am Professor Merle, a couple of uh, pelvic thrusts. Mm, I don't see why um, that has to do with being a teacher. Well, it's the sensuality because this is a very <laughs> sensual dance. The interpretive jazz dancing yeah. is is very sensual, very physical. It's like belly dancing. Yeah, the way you've described it, it sounds. And Very and and I just am in a at at one point I am so caught up in the dance I completely lose myself and 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 I finish up whirling like a dervish and and just going mad becoming one with the universe and and collapse in a sweaty dwarfy heap. Um, the audience applauds hornily. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Davenport gets up on the stage and sings a beautiful tenor opera solo that goes on for like 18 minutes. Um, but you are enraptured the entire time. He's got a love, he's got a lovely, beautiful little voice that sort of echoes down the, the valley that these presentations take place in. Um, and Lucretia gets up and presents a painting that she made she does a painting of this um like famous city market square like this um public space uh that was uh a a really sort of beautiful fixture of the town that the uh ipre headquarters was in in your home and it's been 50 years, but you, like you all remember this this little space, and it's just sort of like a still life scene of all of these people congregating in this public square. And it's a it's a it's a she was a a very talented painter before this year, and she's only gotten better. Itaka, what is your uh, what is your presentation of your uh, your aphorism book look like? I walk up to a pedestal, I drop my book on the pedestal, and say, "You're all very welcome." And then I walk off the stage. Yeah. Uh, all of the students who've like attended your outdoor uh, sermons, I guess, are like very enthused. Like, yeah, that's how he does it. That's how he yeah, does I'll it. Le- I'll leave you with these two thoughts that I just, I'm coming up with two for you right now. Hold on. <laughs> Nothing makes one feel so strong as a call for help. Oh, do they like that one? That's good. Um, that's good. And that's one of the popes. One I don't more. Which one? One more. He's got another one. Hmm. I finally, folks, as you expressed your gratitude, we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. <gasps> JFK, uh, now Taco. Um, used, I, used to be JFK, now it's Taco. A dude in the audience like stands up and he's like, I've got to change some shit about me. And he immediately like walks off. You, you hear him <laughs> like it. shouting down the valley like, this is a new day for me. Reggie, it's time for a new Reggie. Bye, everybody. Bye, old life. Don't forget to review me on Goodreads. <laughs> um, you all go up and you do your presentations, and immediately you go and you submit your works to the mountain. Um, Taco, your book of aphorisms is quickly absorbed by the light, and then all of a sudden, like, all of your aphorisms are immediately implanted in everybody's minds, which may not be great because I don't know that anybody's going to purchase this uh, this this collection um, now now that they've memorized all of it. Um, the same happens for Lucretia and Barry um, Merle. It, there's a flash in your dance. You don't remember the steps anymore. The step chart disappears, and you don't remember anything about how you do the dance. And then, like, there's a real long pause. As if the mountain is really thinking about it, having some sort of internal argument about whether or not they want to implant this vision of this um, very sensual dwarf dance. Into this is like that moment right before Tom Bergeron announces who won Dancing with the Stars, isn't mm. it? 
And, and the I winner the word is... Um, please, but, please, please. And it flashes, and everybody does, in fact, see your form doing the dance. Yeah. Magnus, you, you submit your duck up to the pedestal, um, and there is a flash, and it is taken. And then, very quickly, there is, like, a very faint flash from the mountain. Um, but it seems to still get the job done because everybody immediately remembers this great duck that you made. For for whatever reason, the mountain really, really was enthusiastic about your duck and rebroadcast it. Um, and Mag- the- Magnus, Magnus starts crying. Oh, the last two people to go up on stage. So does Taco. If that's all we have to do, fine. <laughs> yeah, Taco does too a lot. It's Merle really... cries. Merle cries even yeah. more. Merle cries, and Taco cries more because <laughs> Merle's crying. <laughs> <laughs> this is profound. Oh, this is so heavy. Um, the last two people to present their work to the audience and to the mountain is Barry and Loop. Um, and you haven't, like, seen them much this cycle. They've been spending, like, a lot of uh, time together, specifically working on this this work that they are going to present to, to everybody. And it's not uncommon for them to, like, go off like this. Like, they are, at, at this point, like, very close collaborators on a lot of the things that they do. Most of the time in, like, studying different parts of the, the, the worlds that you're in. Um... But but this time they got together to to work on this very very specific craft. And as they approach the stage and sit down, Taka, you can't remember the last time you saw Loop nervous, but she is. Barry's always nervous, and he's he's in rare form here. But but Loop is also seems kind of anxious about this performance. And she walks up and she picks up a violin, and Barry sits down at. Uh, a big grand piano and they play a duet and and in watching them play this composition you realize really for the first time just how profoundly Barry and Loop's relationship has changed time is different for the seven of you than it has been for anyone else who ever lived During your 100-year journey, you don't age thanks to whatever forces keep putting you back together at the beginning of each year. Your minds stay sharp. You learn skills and languages and new proficiencies. You become remarkably capable adventurers during your voyage on the Star Blaster. But it's not just your minds that develop. Across this ageless century, something less quantifiable develops too. Our capacity for love increases with each person we cross paths with throughout our lives and with each moment we spend with those people. But too often we neglect that part of ourselves in favor of others. And by the time we realize just how important it is, we find ourselves with fewer folks around to practice with. But the seven of you have something that nobody else ever had. Time. All the time in the world. Time enough to grow indescribably close. Time enough to, to learn how to care for each other, how to allow yourselves to be cared for. And in the case of Barry and Loop, time enough to fall deeply and truly in love. Barry felt it first. During a particularly challenging year, Loop caught him crying, and she softly and sincerely consoled him. And just for a moment, the professional wall between them came down and something shone through. Loop wasn't far behind. Her moment of realization was a bit more innocuous. During that cycle with the the robots, Barry helped repair the, the small frame of a vessel housing a particularly rambunctious spirit, and it kept shocking him and laughing. And Loop laughed too, and she knew. This new love, it, it wasn't their focus during the journey. Barry worked tirelessly to understand each world you traveled to, to to understand the hunger and figure out a way to defeat it. Loop grew furiously in arcane power, studying the mystical secrets of the planes, hoping to master whatever spell would break your team out of their desperate retreat. But there were moments between those studies, meals shared in secret, just the two of them under the guise of their work sightseeing trips for two across these doomed worlds and that love grew and it grew until it reached the point that all great loves grow toward 
the point of inevitability. Looking back, this performance is where that love that Barry and Loop cultivated quietly and cautiously over the last half century truly bloomed. There was romance in every measure and longing in every note. And after the performance, they they take each other's hands high in the air and they swoop down for this over-the-top bow, just laughing at, at the drama of it all. And the audience cheers and Barry and Loop laugh and they don't let each other's hands go. And then they stop laughing and they don't let each other's hands go. And they keep not letting go. And Loop says... Barry, do you want to go talk somewhere for a while? And Barry says, Yeah. And Loop goes and puts their sheet music up on the pedestal, and there's a flash of light from the cave, and the beautiful duet they just played is gone from your minds. And seconds later, there's a second flash, and the song returns, and there's a roar of applause from the audience, and Barry and Loop's professor is searching for them in the crowd, just hoping to congratulate them. But they're already gone, running back up the valley to the conservatory, hand in hand. Magnus leads down to Merle. I'm really glad I didn't go last. <laughs> it's Professor Merle. <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Griffin McElroy, your Dungeon Master, your best friend, and your local HVAC repair person. Looks like you got a skunk up here again. Damn it, Jeff! Thanks for listening to episode 64 of the Adventure Zone. It's the, I don't know, fourth or fifth episode in the Stolen Century arc. Um, I I feel like it's this arc is going to be like much, much longer than I originally anticipated, colon the Griffin McElroy story. Um, but I, I hope you're enjoying it. I think there's probably about two episodes left, uh, in, in the tank for this arc, uh, before we get into the finale zone. So I have a lot of work to do. Um, got a bunch of sponsors and stuff to tell you about here in this ad break. Hello, it's me, the internet's Travis McRoy. Yes, that's right. Powerful influencer, Travis McRoy. You know, people are always asking me, Travis... How did you become such a powerful influencer in the world? Well, I'll let you in on my secret. It's Squarespace. Yes, that's right. Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything. Your products, content you create, or even your time. What? What influencer doesn't do that? I ask you. I'll wait. That's right. None of them. They all do that, and you can do it with Squarespace. Okay, here's uh, just as an aside. You can also use Squarespace even if you're uh, not an influencer, um, and even if the idea of being an influencer uh, makes you throw up a little bit in your mouth. Don't worry. Squarespace is still useful. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. Start with the best-in-class website template and customize every design detail with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. With Squarespace scheduling, clients can quickly view your availability and book their own reservations, appointments, or classes, and you can sell products on an online store. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools for you. So go to squarespace.com adventure for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use offer code ADVENTURE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have an Aura frame here at our house, and we primarily use it to show pictures of our kids and the fun stuff that we do. And my favorite thing about it is that it's so easy to upload pictures on that as soon as we get home from doing something fun, we just immediately put the pictures up there so we don't forget to do it. You know, because I, I've tried, we try to do picture frames and stuff in the past, and then we never remember to put them on. But with Aura, it's so easy to load it up that it has become kind of a, a digital scrapbook more than anything else. So if you have been looking to get the pictures that are trapped in your phone 
and set them free in a way that other people can see them, might I recommend Aura Frames. They're stylish, they're easy to use, you're gonna love it. And it was named the number one digital picture frame by Wirecutter, and for a good reason. It's so easy to set up, and they have different frame options, all kinds. And the best part is it comes with unlimited storage. So, right now you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frames with code ADVENTURE. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com, promo code ADVENTURE. Terms and conditions apply. Chicago, we're coming to you. We're coming for you. We're coming at you. And we're also coming to C2E2, and we're doing live shows, all a bunch of stuff in April. April 24th, we're going to be doing My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is nearly sold out, and Taz, which is selling out fast. So do not wait. April 25th is Taz. April 24th is My Brother, My Brother and Me. April 26th through the 28th, we're doing C2E2, scheduled to be announced. You can get your C2E2 badges now, but you do not need a badge to attend the live shows. Tickets for those shows are on sale at bit.ly slash Tours. All the information is there. Go check it out. Also, we've got a newsletter in case you've been wondering what's the best way to keep up with our new tour dates and announcements and stuff like that. Go to bit.ly slash newsletter. And of course, check out all the merch over at macroymerch.com. A lot of great stuff. Fungalore sticker pack, um, naming of the year poster. Uh, we've got the little Sailor Man pin and 10% of all proceeds this month go to the Foundation for Black Women's Wellness. So go check it out, macroymerch.com. And now back to the show. Got a Jumbotron message for Josh, Ethan, Megan, and Jocelyn, and it's from David, who says, Josh, Ethan, and Megan, when Jocelyn started school, I had no idea that three of her classmates would become my best friends, but I'm lucky you did. Happy graduation, Jocelyn. You handled grad school with poise and grace uh, that is stunning and have grown into a good, good counselor. I'm so proud of you. Now on to the next adventure, Zone. Please don't start another thing called Adventure Zone please there's like apparently like a hundred like kids play places and go-kart and mini golf facilities that either we stole their ip or they still i'm confused about what the order order was but we don't need any more competition but thank you very much david and jocelyn and megan and ethan and josh congratulations on graduating people who graduated here's a message for keely and mary and it's from mary and keely who say remember that time at homer's wedding when we realized we were listening to the same episode of mabim bam even though keely was listening to them chronologically and mary was listening reverse chronologically that's how we know we were fated to be besties much love and many lulls that's some serendipity ass shit right there and i feel it it means something i don't know what it means but my my astrological sign points to good i want to thank everybody who's been tweeting about the show using the the zonecast hashtag there's only a few episodes left in this arc although i imagine we will continue our policy of naming characters after people who spread the word about our show even once we move on to to new stuff um uh what else what else thanks to maximum fun for having us you can go to max fun maximumfun.org and go check out all the great shows there shows like judge john hodgman and throwing shade and lady to lady and one bad mother and the beef and dairy network a bunch of good shows all free at maximumfun.org or you can go to mcelroyshows.com and go um watch videos that we make or listen to other podcasts that we do because we do a lot of stuff Oh, and the song you just heard and are about to hear again is uh, Salute D'Amour by uh, Edward Algar, uh, performed by Emmanuel Salvador. And it's very pretty, and it's about to play right now. Uh, I think that's it. Next episode is going to be up on June 15th. So, oh, that's during E3. Oh, no! We'll figure something out. Uh, So, I'll talk to you then. Bye. Um, so after the submission ceremony, the crowd of students and patrons is cleared out. It's a few hours later. Um, I, I, I do want to just echo what I'm sure the audience is thinking right now, and that's I'm really disappointed I don't get to hear my brother do a romance scene with himself. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was really hoping. Your skin is really smooth. <laughs> Thanks. It, it, basically, it, you it would be no, the I audio equivalent of wrapping your arms around yourself to make it look like you're making out with someone. <laughs> um, so...
it's after the ceremony, and it's just the seven of you uh, with Chancellor Marlowe in front of the cave, and all of your works have been accepted, and so she gestures you toward the cave, and one by one, you all approach the entrance and walk inside, and one by one, you are all rebuffed by the lights flashing. And after this, Davenport gets kind of frantic, and he says, well, well, great, now what? The, the world's boned in, like, ten days, unless we can get in there. Loop, can you just blow it up? And Loop is like, can I blow up a mountain? I mean, yeah, but let's <laughs> let's save that for last resort, okay? And Marlo's like, I'm gonna have to firmly request that you don't blow up our sacred mountain. Um... And so the eight of you sort of retire and sort of strategize on how to get into this 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 mountain since this thing that you've been working towards this whole year just didn't work. Um, and you have a nice meal. Um, the food at the conservatory is like really it's it's actually really good. It's like uh, for for dinner you have this like rich duck stew with roasted corn, and everybody gets a full belly. And um, after sort of a fruitless meeting, everybody goes to sleep. Um, everybody except Magnus. Magnus, you can't sleep. What what do you do when you when you can't sleep? You know, I imagine it's kind of a a calisthenics thing, you know, like start moving around, start walking. I okay. imagine he's probably a like can't sleep, work out, run, jog kind of person. All right. Yeah, okay, that's great. You do a you're doing a jog around sort of the the conservatory campus. Um you're the only one up. It's about 1 a.m. And you run and you run and you run to the gate and the gates are open and there's a guard, the, the night shift guard kind of nods to you as you run through the gate and down the valley. It's a nice uh, sort of hiking path down the valley down to where the uh, submission area is. When you get to the submission area, um, it's a it's sort of a partially moonlit night. There's there's clouds in the sky so that you, you can't see especially well. But when you get close to the cave, you see a bright light um in front of the cave, outside of the cave, and this light is is moving around. Um, and as you get closer and sort of approach cautiously, you see what what looks like a some sort of jellyfish, and it's it is hovering in the air, and it is sort of um, using its 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 tentacles to sort of push itself around in the air, um, floating around and. You think it sees you because when you sort of come into the clearing, it it hums like this high pitched note, um, and doesn't seem to like run away from you or be scared of you as you get closer. Magnus hesitates. Okay. Um. It. it so does Travis. It starts to move into the cave, kind of slowly, I, I, still kind of I, like swimming I, in the air. I would. I move for towards it, kind of hand up and like a wait, wait, wait kind of gesture you know hand out yeah the uh, the light the light disappears and goes into the cave and you stand there for like a second and then it reemerges and kind of like hums at you again and then starts to again slowly move back into the cave magnus rushes in okay you um you enter into the cave and you tried this earlier in the day and were like immediately turned turned around by the mountain but as you enter the cavern's mouth tonight, there's no flash of light. You walk deeper and deeper into the belly of this mountain. It's getting a little bit colder. You're probably wearing some, like, short jogging gear. Um, and so you move into the belly of this mountain for what feels like like 10 minutes. Um, and you're just squeezing through a few tight passageways. And your, your path is illuminated by this creature, this glowing jellyfish-like creature, as it moves deeper and deeper uh, and leads you into the central chamber of this cave system. And it's it's fucking massive. You see, like, you see other sort of um, uh, caverns leading out of it in all directions. And you you assume, like, oh, this is, these, this is what connects to all of these different conservatories um, all around this continent. Um, this chamber is mostly dark, but there are these twinkling multicolored crystals all over that cast these... Uh, dancing lights all across the room. And you're still following this jellyfish that's sort of playfully leading you um, in inside. But as soon as you enter this chamber, there are a bunch of other creatures, like the one you've been following, that sort of float towards you. 
Um, and they're larger. They're larger than the one you've been following. And you don't know much about them, but you sense sort of a defensiveness about them. But you see the smaller creature kind of hum at them, almost as if it's saying, like, no, nah, he's cool. And after some communal humming between all of them, the larger creatures float off. And so you follow this little baby jellyfish into a nook in the side of the chamber, and it shows you this collection of odds and ends. There's a pile of those multicolored rocks that are glowing, and they are sort of casting a kaleidoscopic shower of light all around this little nook. Um, And there's a row of glass bottles that are neatly organized by size. Um, There's a bed of moss that you assume is where this creature lays its head uh, at, or I guess it's jelly cap at night that's the technical term jelly cap i think so i'm not a jellyfishologist next to that bed is your carved wooden duck and it hovers over to it and it kind of like wraps its tendrils around it kind of gleefully and rolls around in this bed with your duck and it sings a little song um and then it floats back towards you and then floats back to the duck and hums at you i'm i made that i made that duck it, it hums at you an even higher pitched like happier little song um, and sort of hands it, it, it floats over and picks up the duck and hands it to you and then it takes it away from you again and sets it down on the bed okay I, I sit down on the bed with it with the duck um, it makes it, it takes some of the moss off the bed and it roughly shapes it into the shape of another duck next to the, the wooden duck and like points at it and then points to you do you want me to make another one it sings, like, yes, yes, yes. It sings, like, this really, really, like, joyous refrain in this this humming voice that you've heard. It wants more ducks. I don't... I don't have any wood with me. Um, the light inside of it starts to dim a little bit, and it looks kind of sad. But I, I... I can make you more. I can bring you more back. Um, with that, the light sort of picks up again, and the it does a little dance and sings its its happy song. It's it's called a bell, a jellyfish head. Oh, a I'm gonna bell. stick with jelly cap. It's better. Okay, jelly cap uh, sounds like a euphemism for condom, by the way. But go on. Um, so you have this sort of like as best you can conversation with this with this jellyfish, this glowing jellyfish creature. Um, and you get the sense that it wants you to bring it more ducks, and so you promise to make more. And you spend a little bit more time in here. Um, Send more ducks. <laughs> and as you sort of walk around this central chamber, Magnus, you have sort of a upsetting realization. The light of creation isn't in here. The, the light of creation isn't like, it's, it, it maybe was never in this mountain at all. Um, what you put together is just by a pretty unfortunate coincidence, this phenomenon that these, these fish seem to uh, be able to create where they, uh, delete these, these works of art from the world and then uh, rebroadcast them to the world, um, at their, at their pleasure is, it just happens to be a phenomenon that the people of this world called the light of creation, and when you make that realization, it, it hits you like a sack of bricks because you've got now nine days um, and that's probably not going to be enough time for you all to, to f- find what you need to find to, to save this world. Do you come back with more ducks? Of course. I know we just jumped from sort of a high stakes thing to a, a much lower stakes thing. I would, here's, here's what I would say, Griffin. I would I come back with more ducks. But I would definitely have a conversation with Barry about this. Yeah. Maybe just one on one at first with Barry as like kind of our science officer of like, hey, so like here's what here's what happened. Um it's it's not there, Barry. Barry says, uh Oh shit, that sucks. He's like in a great mood. He's like really he's like for the rest of this cycle, like he's just really you you tell him like we're not gonna be able to save this world and he's like Ah shit. Um, okay, well, uh, I'm really sorry to hear that. I mean, I'll go. I'll do a few laps around the world, see if I can't figure something else out. But, um, hey, Loop, you want to uh, come help me find the light of creation? It wasn't in the mountain. And Loop's like, hell yeah! And the two of them like take off in the star blaster and and try to do some last minute reconnaissance to to find the light. Um, do you bring more ducks? I do bring more ducks. Of course, I bring more ducks. How many ducks are you able to bring to it that first night back? 
Let's see. In twenty four hours, I think I could carve three ducks. Okay. Did he tell? Did he tell us or just Barry? Okay, fine. I told him. I was just being difficult. Um, Taco, oh, Magnus, Taco, and Merle. What do you get? Do you all do anything when you find this out? Uh, yeah, I call a meeting in the the town. Okay. Hi, everybody. I'm Taco. You know from TV. And you have, I okay. Sorry, go ahead. No, you just haven't been on TV yet. Is this just a thing you say about yourself? Mm, it's aspirational. It's, an <laughs> it's aspirational, exactly. Um, hi, everybody. I'm Taco from TV, and uh, you're wanged. You're all pretty much in a bad way, uh, pretty badly. And there's good news and bad news. The bad news I've covered pretty exhaustively with the fuckness that you are. Uh, the good news is that you have a shot. There's a thing called the light of creation that's not what you call it, but there's another thing that, uh, it's like a big, bright, white, I describe it for them. Okay. It's a big, bright, white thing, and normally we don't enlist people, but here's something I know about you all. You currently have the most inspirational shit mankind, and by mankind, I mean me, has ever written in your heads held simultaneously. You motherfuckers believe in yourselves probably more than any group that has ever been assembled in all of human history. Correct? Yeah, that's us! Yeah, we feel great! I'm number one! I'm number one! We all sound like friend on Bob's Burgers! So here's what we're gonna do. If you got a horse, get it. The faster, faster the better. If you can take people with you, go. We're all going to split up and find this fucking light because you people have some real unearned confidence that I'm going to capitalize on in a major, major way. So let's get out there, split up, talk to everybody, see if anybody's seen it, and uh, let's let's make a go of this together, huh? As a, yeah! as a team. Uh, roll plus heart, Taco. Ten. Um, okay, with it. So... Uh, I think what happens here is a, a lot of the students here at the conservatory are like so so like um like stressed about their work and their craft um and also like the seven of you just rolled up from another reality and then like 100% of you got works submitted and accepted by the Voidfish, and I think folks are feeling maybe even more competitive than normal. Um, and so, like, a majority of the student body is like, okay, and then they go back to practicing the harpsichord or whatever. Your students that you, like, met with under the tree, you're, like, diehard devotees, You, they're like, whatever you say, Taco, we'll... we'll, we'll, we'll absolutely we'll dedicate the how long do we have how long do we have and you sort of share some of the information with them and they immediately they they are tireless they do not sleep the next nine days as they go around looking uh for the light of creation i do a beautiful moving interpretive dance convincing my students to go with his students uh okay all of your students come together um and the your, your two groups of students the masters of dance and the masters of self uh, come together and form a search party uh, looking for uh, the light of creation. Um, both of you take plus one bond just with like your your students um, that that have uh, come together to try to help you out and I guess help themselves out and they don't find the light of creation. What they do find is, one of the students, one of your students, Merle, brings back this glimmering singing diamond that they found in one of the professor's rooms. Um, and the Wait, professor's whoa, like, what? Yeah, the professor's like away, and they went in their room and saw this bright shining light, and they bring this to you, Merle, and they're like, is this it? Is this the light of creation? And it's 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 not. It's just this, like, singing diamond. Um, what do you do? Um, well, kids, uh, this is not the light of creation, but... But it certainly would go a long way to accompanying me when I dance. So you take it? Yeah. All right, take plus one asset. <laughs> uh, and Taco, your students bring you a... Um, An apple. Ever-burning lamp that one of Kilvin's students made. Okay. One of them brings you a golden glowing apple 
that um, they brought from one of the like workshops, and it's just like some students' work that they made this like glowing bright apple. Um, but it looks like it actually looks like incredibly valuable. Like it was made with like incredibly valuable materials, and they handed it to me. And said, is this it, Taco? Is this the, is this the light of creation? That's it. Y'all, <laughs> y'all got. <laughs> Y'all got it in one. I'll take this with me for safekeeping. And as a reward, as your professor, I'm giving everyone the next eight days off. <laughs> so get out of town and just try to kick it. For eight, the next eight days, I don't want you to think about anything important. Get people you love around you. Get out there. Have the time of your fucking lives. Seriously. Here, drinks are on me. And I give them whatever coin I've accumulated in this podunk reality. Uh, and, uh, just have, have a great time out there for eight days. Um, take plus one asset for this cool golden apple. Y'all are really writing this down, right? I cannot stress how important these numbers are going to be when I we have, get to the end. I have a chart okay. right in front of me. Um, um I, along with the ducks, you know, I, I would like, I would like to take Lucretia with me when I return to the cave. Yeah, she's really fucking curious about these fish. And I think this, every time you go to the cave and bring back more ducks, this baby fish, like, meets you at the mouth of the cave and and leads you in and when it sees Lucretia come in with you it kind of recoils a little bit and tries to hide No 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 she she's 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 not only super nice she also likes collecting she collects too just like you And she shows her, she shows she shows this fish some of the drawings in her uh in her book uh in her books I guess and the void fish warms up and kind of brushes up against her and she kind of laughs and Sure enough, this baby fish leads you deeper and in, back into the cave. And the first time Lucretia comes with you, um, those those other fish, uh, the, the the bigger ones, kind of f- come over to her. Um, one of them, there's like a there's a pretty big like pond in the center of this chamber that these uh, stalactites are just constantly dripping down into. One of these fish just like splashes out uh, of the pond and like splashes lucretia in like a huge like sit too close at sea world wave um and she like turns her she turns quick and tries to get her books away but gets like doused by this water and she's she's like kind of horrified she's like oh god oh god it it's it doesn't smell very good magnus it got in my mouth this is awful why do you keep that coming? In? That was a mistake. You gotta keep your mouth closed in situations like, like once you get splashed. Trust me. What do you want? Pink eye? You gotta close your eyes. Cover your mouth. Come on. Stay um, one stuff. And sh- so you hang out with Lucretia and the void fish. How many? How many over the next like few days? How many ducks do you bring in? I mean, I think I can max do three ducks a day. But don't get okay. me wrong, they're getting better. You know what I mean? There's definite duck improvement. Um, Lucretia, like, spends her time in this cavern with you. You spend it, like, sort of hanging out and playing, playing ducks with the, the baby fish while Lucretia, like, illustrates some of these creatures, tries to, like, understand their anatomy. Um, also, I, she- I also, I, I, I don't want to miss an opportunity, Ditto. I'd also love to, like, petition the, the, the fish, the jellyfish, and see if they know anything about the light of creation. I mean, as long as we're looking for help. They've collected all this information and they know all of these things. I would love to try to convey to them what I'm looking for. Yeah, I, I mean, this this conversation is just going to be always sort of by nature of the thing, like, one-sided. I, I I don't think that they know how to, like, tell you whether or not they know what you're, what you're talking about. Um, gotcha. But you spend a lot of time with this creature, this baby fish, the smallest one, the one that always leads you into the cave. And... You feel this like you feel a bond with it. Um, take take plus two bond um, for spending time here with Lucretia and spending time with this baby void fish. Um, and can I, you, can I just address the elephant in the room, Griffin? Yeah, I'm not leaving that fish behind. When the hunger comes to this world for the first time in a long time, the seven of you are surprised it's it's early by a couple of days and unlike its other appearances where it kind of forms like a storm overhead and then touches down across the world erratically it's just boom it's just immediately on top of you 
um, you're having breakfast in the conservatory lounge, and then the sky turns black and the grass turns gray, and it's just there. It's it's like it knew where you were. Um, and immediately Davenport is like, bug out, we're up in the air in two minutes, and fucking runs out of the room uh, towards the Star Blaster, um, and, and other folks follow suit. Um, Magnus, what do you do? Loop, don't leave without me. Uh, and I go. Loop says, what do you, why? <laughs> we need to get, we need to, we need gotta bounce. Look up, look up, bud. It's, it's the big H. It's time to roll. Do you remember with the robots and you stopped us all from doing something terrible? Yeah. I'm stopping you all. Don't leave without me. Um, she and I pulls go, out full sprint, full she, sprint. All right, she pulls out a wand, and Barry pulls out a wand, and they turn to all of you. And Loop's like, "Um, looks like we need to hold off the apocalypse for a few minutes and buy some time." Y'all down? Hell yeah! Yeah, we haven't fought shit in like a month. Um, so the the scene is you, Magnus, rushing. Uh, into the mouth of the cave while everyone else is just sort of standing on the star blaster, which is parked out on this lake, um, sort of adjacent to the the valley there, uh, just sort of firing shots at, at everything uh, approaching the ship and firing shots at things sort of attacking the conservatory, which, um, because of your efforts, is partially evacuated. Um, Magnus, roll uh, plus body. Hell yeah. That would be an 11. You make it into the cave so, so fast. And even though the fish isn't isn't there to greet you at the mouth, you still make it in okay. And you reach the the center of the, uh, of the chamber. And all of the big jellyfish that you've seen in here are all sort of submerged under the water of the pond. Um, and the baby jellyfish is sort of floating above it, sort of like singing, singing to them, but they are not... They're not answering, and it seems kind of panicked. And there's the the ground is starting to sort of shake beneath your feet, and um, there are rocks sort of peeling off the walls. You see one of the entrances that leads to one of the other conservatories just collapse, um, like immediately adjacent to you. Uh, I, I, I pull out a duck that I have with me. Okay, that I was going to give the fish later. Okay, it's it. It flies over to you and it sings a song, but you can tell it seems kind of nervous um, about all of its like family members or or whatever not not coming with. Um, and you you hear some you hear Lucretia's voice shouting down the mouth of the cave um, that you just came through, and she's saying like, "Magnus, we have to go. Get it or don't. But I, we we we've got to go. Come on." I can I see are the other uh, the other fishes around. They're like under, they're deep, deep underwater in this pond in the middle of this massive cavern chamber. Uh, I, I look down in the water and say, I, I'll protect it. I promise. And I grab it and run. Uh, okay, I'll use that body roll that you used earlier because like this thing doesn't understand being grabbed. It doesn't know what you're doing. Um, and it kind of fights you a little bit, but you're just sort of... I start humming. Okay, you're humming this song that you've heard it hum a few times and it seems to calm it down. And you and Lucretia just sort of race. She's like firing off shots too at at these like shadows that are starting to like full force sprint at you as you make your way back to the ship. Um, and she clears a path for you two to for you three to run back to the Star Blaster and get on board and take off. And Davenport like just throws this thing like a dart into the sky just like the the fastest acceleration that you've felt this thing give uh this whole time as it launches up into the sky and as you're flying up and and past the barrier there's a moment of 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 tension and anxiety where you don't know if this thing's gonna be there after you pass through the barrier between realities you've seen you know small animals or whatever stay and you've seen people disappear but as you pass through that barrier uh, both you and Lucretia are just staring intently at the fish, just desperately hoping. And and as your vision clears, you see it. And it's still floating in front of you. It's a little confused, obviously, but it's here and it's safe. And it would stay safe 
for the rest of your journey across existence. The next year, you and Lucretia find a a big glass tank, and she keeps it in her quarters. Her cabin was always bigger than yours, and you'd go to it from time to time to sing it songs or give it carvings. Your, Your repertoire expanded, but it still likes your ducks the best. It delighted in your company, Magnus. And it still does. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Mugs, shirts, stickers, patches, tanks, and more are yours for the purchasing at MaxFunStore.com. Hey, you already love the podcasts, so why not take this to the next level and outfit your home and bod with our merch? MaxFunStore.com. Because if you have to wear a shirt, it should be one of ours. What's Ben Affleck and or Drake up to? What show should I be watching right now? Should The Rock run for president? How about Oprah? What's a great French film about lady cannibals? Who's stronger, Luke Cage or Iron Fist? For answers to these questions and so much more, come on over to Pop Rocket, a pop culture roundtable discussion that always has a fun, diverse panel talking about the stuff we love. Catch us every Wednesday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you decide to get your podcast. I'm not going to judge.